Dear Joe Biden, back in March, in the world we used to know, I said goodbye to my students at the Boston Conservatory at Berkeley, and like colleges and universities all across the country, we all decamped to Zoom University for the remaining of the semester. Now, for students who study acting and singing and dance, social creatures all, remote learning was a difficult pill to swallow. Even so, we all comforted each other in the surety that come September, life would be back to normal. We'd be back in the classroom doing the thing that we were born to do, that vibrates with our best selves, doing it among our people. Well, it turns out that teaching and studying the performing arts amid a global pandemic is actually dangerous. And so my institution is among those who have made the financially difficult choice to go fully remote in the fall. It was the right choice, but that does not make it any less difficult for everyone involved. For the incoming class of first-year students, especially students who I'll be teaching in September, who just endured a high school senior spring with all of the rituals and rites of passage that have come with that time eliminated or drastically altered, I imagine it to be particularly painful. And so in this episode, I want to discuss a looming national depression of two kinds, the economic one as well as the mental health one, and to imagine a path forward beyond simply defeating Trump to punch our way out of this. I'm Dennis Trainer Jr., and this is Dear Joe Biden, Episode 6. Hey, this is Acronym TV, so what do you stand for? Okay, Joe, here we go. It's the middle of August 2020. We're fastly approaching the presidential debates and the election. Donald Trump's disapproval numbers are rising in correlation to the rising case of case numbers of the COVID virus and the deaths. And to top it all off, you've just made a historic and meaningful choice and tapped Kamala Harris as your vice presidential pick. Now, like you, Joe, Kamala Harris is a complicated figure who has a problematic past as one who has upheld systems that need tearing down. And we'll have plenty of time to discuss that in future episodes. But for now, let's celebrate the fact that she will be the first black woman and the first South Asian woman to serve as vice president of the United States. We can applaud that. Joe, your path to the White House is as smooth as the 1986 Red Sox with two outs in the bottom of the last inning in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series. And what in the name of Stratomatic baseball gods were the odds of this happening? Line into left field, base hit, curveball, and that's going to be hit to center, base hit. And that's going to be hit into center field, base hit. Here comes Carter to score, and the two... along first behind the bag it gets through Buckner here comes Knight and the Mets win it now as thrilling as thrilling a childhood memory as that was for me the odds of a Boston Red Sox-esque collapse for the Biden campaign are infinitesimal in what will be the free and fair 2020 presidential election I'm sorry, what? Hello? Oh, yeah. 
it's the real world calling to remind me that, oh, yes, Trump did install a major campaign donor into the role of postmaster general. And what's that? And that bag of douche turned around last week and fired or reassigned 23 top post uh, post office executives. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Oh, and they started removing the mail sorting machines in a nakedly transparent effort to undermine mail-in voting efforts, while at the same time Trump refuses to confirm if he will accept the election results. And further still, he has already demonstrated a bloodthirsty desire to occupy our cities with military police. So, okay, it's going to be an eventful few months. But clearly, for the people who will vote, the Biden-Harris ticket is a shoe-in. And that means that we on the left can walk and chew gum at the same time. Walking, in this metaphor, is removing the cancerous, foul lump of deformity that is Donald Trump. Chewing gum is meeting this moment with a boldness and a vision required of this once-in-a-millennia confluence of pandemic and this economic crisis looming on becoming a generational catastrophe. Chewing gum at this moment means remembering that the Democrats have chosen as someone to defeat Trump, the same politician that told a group of wealthy donors that, quote, nothing will fundamentally change if they voted for him. To be fair, that quote was pre-pandemic, and while the, quote, vote for Joe, nothing will change message never rose to the level of official campaign bumper sticker swag, we now have tens of millions of Americans looking over a depression cliff that can take a generation to climb out of. For them, for us, for justice, we don't just need something to change. We need everything to change. So what is this crisis and what are the solutions being served up by our system? As Naomi Klein puts it in a recent episode of the Intercepted podcast, quote, capitalism is already offering its answers and they're bleak a range of dehumanizing and isolating new adaptations. In Amazon warehouses, screens start flashing and machines start beeping when workers get too close to each other. In factories in China, workers are prevented from looking at each other while they eat, and they are scanned and examined multiple times a day with the information fed into a central tracking system. Many schools are preparing to reopen by putting students inside plexiglass cubicles. In short, Systems that were already pretty dehumanizing before are being retrofitted to strip out the little bits of joy they once offered. A chat with a colleague in a break room, recess with friends after hours spent in an overcrowded, airless classroom. But even honestly facing the joint reality of our crisis and what is deemed possible within the Overton window by the political class is a minefield in this election system. Spend any amount of time on social media talking about the 2020 election and you are bound to see or be hit with a variation of this pithy piece of analysis from David Sedaris. I think of being on an airplane. The flight attendant comes down the aisle with her food cart and eventually parks it beside my feet. Can I interest you in the chicken, she asks, or would you prefer the platter of shit with broken glass in it? To be 
Undecided in this election is to pause for a moment and ask how the chicken is cooked, end quote. Now, listen, David Sedaris is a hilarious man, a comic genius even, and despite the gendered assumption that a flight attendant is a woman, this is an artfully crafted joke that will hit the mark for most. He didn't make these remarks about the Trump election, but it is a meme that has been recirculating and applied to this election with increasing frequency according to the unofficial metric of my own social media feed. But here's the thing. As someone who has, in the past, made a life out of asking how that chicken is cooked, I see a long history of evidence that undermines the accepted doctrine that makes this joke land. A country that has endless money for militarizing the police while and claiming not to have the money for Medicare for all is a platter of shit with broken bits of glass in it. A country that has, re has responded to the 2007 financial crisis with a bailout of the banks and bankers who orchestrated the crash while selling out the people and then dressing up that as some kind of recovery is already a country that is a platter of shit with broken bits of glass in it. And yes, Trumplandia is what happens when we eat that platter of shit with the broken glass in it and it tears open our insides and then we shit out that broken glass onto a pile of poisonous piranhas. That is where we are today. And that is not negotiating from the point of strength, to be sure, because none of us want another day, let alone four more years of a platter of shit marinated in poisonous piranha pasta. Too much? Perhaps. But these are desperate times, my friends. We have moved past the COVID moment and straight into a COVID era. This is an era that may be, unless we radically alter the view of what is politically possible, marked by a Great Depression-era-like scarcity, or worse. As Naomi Klein put it in the aforementioned episode of The Intercepted, quote, Mental Health America, part of the National Health Council, released a report in June based on surveys of nearly 5 million Americans. It found that younger populations, including teens and adults under 25, are being hit particularly hard by the pandemic. 90% of participants in this group experienced symptoms of depression. 90%. In addition to teaching people in that age bracket, I'm a parent of two college-age adults in that age group as well. And I worry genuinely about the world they have to navigate now and the world that will greet them upon graduation. I see the stress of this moment playing out in their lives. And so it is on their behalf that I have to reject the reductionist metaphor of the David Sedaris metaphor and try to walk a razor's edge filled path with more nuance. It's a path that recognizes the failures of electoral politics alone, especially at the presidential level, to provide solutions that we deserve. And so I say to Joe Biden and his supporters the following. Yes, I want to eat at a restaurant that offers me chicken instead of a platter of shit and glass. However, you are now armed with the reality that our country is so trumped fatigued that it is now you, Joe, who, to borrow an analogy from Trump, you could walk down Fifth Avenue and shoot people and we'd still vote for you. To put it another way, you don't have to offer us chicken. You have made a career out of serving up chicken. You can also make anything of this campaign and out of your administration. And so I'm going to stay in your restaurant, Joe. I'm here, but I don't want your fucking chicken. I want, for an appetizer, a moratorium on evictions and an extension of the extra unemployment that just ran out.
Also, I want $2,000 a month for everyone until this crisis is over. So does Kamala Harris. It was her idea. Talk to her about it. Then I'll have reparations for all black folks in the United States, followed by, yes, I'm hungry, followed by a Green New Deal salad served with an improved Medicare for All vegan steak drizzled with free college for all. I know I'm running up quite a tab, but you can send it to the Pentagon, Joe, because we can no longer spend more than the next seven countries combined on the military. Imperialism and colonialism is not just bad for our digestion, it's bad for our karma and will lead to the premature death of that thing labeled by people of your ilk as our great American experiment. And I say all this, Joe, as someone who wants to eat in your restaurant. I didn't always, as the communications director who launched Jill Stein's 2016 presidential bid, I was the butt of that David Sedaris joke. And I can feel your supporters wanting to punch me in the gut and shove my face in that shit and glass platter right now. To which I should point out, side note, if you're happy that we ended slavery, you should thank a third party. Republicans were at the time a third party. If you like women's right to vote, it was the suffragette party that agitated for it, even if they did not win the White House. There is more of this, but I'm straying too far, from my, far away from my food metaphor. So this go around, Joe, I want to try to speak to you as someone who desperately wants to buy in. I'm not leaving your restaurant and I'm calling the manager. I don't want chicken. And even as I say that I'm aware that the dominant narrative of liberals and Democrats who will be to squelch any critique of you, they will say, don't say anything bad, Dennis, about Joe Biden. Elect him first and then we can work on the laundry list of things that the left wants. Well, I could and maybe I should do a whole episode on the failure of that strategy over the past several generations. But for now, let's consider this. With the knowledge that fear of Trump 2.0 will create a powerful force, a force field of defense against any critique of the Biden-Harris campaign, why would you choose to serve us chicken? Broadly speaking, I see two paths forward, both ending in Joe Biden becoming the 46th president of the United States. The first is that Biden-Harris champions a path forward that involves raiding the Pentagon, radically reducing the military budget, and using those funds to imagine a whole new menu like the order I placed earlier. The other path forward involves tiny measures variations of the same chicken Democrats have been serving for generations. And yes, there is no doubt that this chicken is better than a platter of shit with broken bits of glass in it. But this second path is littered with another false economic recovery that drives the income and the wealth gap further and further apart. This second path leads us from a COVID crisis into a pandemic depression era. This second path is the path of Joe Nothing will change Biden. And for the sake of my kids and my students and for everyone in that generation, we need a Joe. Everything will change Biden. Hey, this is Acronym TV. So what do you stand for?